Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. Bible's Genesis 22. But so I was sitting in, uh, in staff prayer um, yesterday, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I get frustrated. I'm like, God, <laughs> I got the text. I've already finished praying. I've already done my, my, my study with you. And then I mean, like, God, but I, I, I just, I need some direction here. And all of a sudden, I just heard with just, just came barreling in my buddy. Emerson Fowler, she just comes running in there. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't going to shoot her out, you know. Come on, girl. So she sat down right there beside me, gave me a big old hug, just came in there, boom, just gave me a big hug, sat down right there on the couch beside me, or the chair right beside the couch. And I just started talking to Emerson like I'm talking to you now. And I'm like, Emerson, I'm just, I'm just struggling, <laughs> you know. And that little girl's like, I, she's just trying to eat her Cheetos, you know what I mean? She ain't worried about me struggling, you know what I mean? So... I'm, I'm like, Emerson, I'm struggling. I just don't know where to go with this text. I mean, I, I need something from the Lord. And you know what this girl said? This girl said, just obey the Lord. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I told Pastor AJ I d- discontinued that remark. I was like, obviously, you know what I mean? Well, then she, Pastor Crystal came in. She's like, you get out of here, get out of here. Anyway, so she left, and then it settled in. Holy Spirit said, did you hear and understand what she just said? And I'm like, yeah. She said to obey you. She's like, no, no. He said, no, 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 no. Did you hear and understand what she just said? So tonight, we're going to mix provision in with a little bit of obedience, a lot of obedience tonight. And listen, I'm not, like Pastor AJ just said a minute ago, I'm, I'm not solely living for today. But I believe I'm living for generations to come. Setting a standard, establishing a culture, cutting a path to a better way. My my prayer is like, God, there has got to be a better way. Why? Because you are better. as, As much as I think about God, you're better than what I think about you. You're better. So we live in God's kingdom continuum. And what happens in my life is a part of his generational work. And it's not about me. And it's not about my time here on earth. It's a joy and it's an honor to cut a path for those who are going to come after us. And there's a man by the name of Abraham that cut a path for us. And the title for tonight's sermon, if you will, is The God of Abraham. 
the God of Abraham. Now, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? These three men, the father, son, and grandson, they are singled out as Godfathers. And this phrase is used because God makes and he repeats a covenant with these three guys. And scripture declares in Galatians chapter 3, 6 through 7, just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, so then understand that those who believe are the sons of Abraham. And I want us to examine the God of Abraham and see if what he experienced may have some lessons for us tonight. Um, The text is Genesis chapter, we're actually going to go to Genesis chapter 12 first. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4. And it says this, God had told Abram, leave your own country behind you and your own people, and go to the land that I will guide you to, and if you do, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you, and I'll make your name famous, and you will be a blessing to many others, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and the entire world will be blessed because of you. What a promise. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went to. Abram was 75. Everybody say 75. 75 years old at that time, and then I want to go to chapter 21. So you can flip forward. I got to go fast tonight. Chapter 21, verse 5, it says, Abraham now was 100 years old when Isaac was born. So from Genesis 12 to Genesis chapter 21, a lot happened. Don't have time to cover all of that tonight, but you got... You know, you got Ishmael, you got Hagar, you got Sarai, you got all of that happening. But Abraham was 100 years old when the promise, his promised son was born. Genesis 22, 1 through 13, now they're about to go and embark on a journey to Mount Moriah. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said to him, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took it with him with two servants and his son with Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place of God told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we're going to worship And we're going to come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went together. Isaac spoke up and he said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. (laughs) But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine? uh, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them went on together, and they reached a place that God had told them about, and Abraham had built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. What a relief. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord It will be provided. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. God, I am not well-studied enough, well-articulated enough to bring of anything of value to the table. Why? Because your word says that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit, thus saith the Lord. Holy Spirit, I need you. Anoint my words. Lord, I pray that it would not be mere wordsmithing, 
charisma or any of that. God, that it would be the sweet, hot oil of the Holy Spirit that drenches from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, that everything that is spoken tonight would be to bring you glory and you glory only in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. God calls Abraham to do this. He called him to leave his homeland, travel to a place that God said, I'm going to show you. Abraham, or Abram at this time, obeys, and God speaks to Abraham when he's 75, and he declares what? He declares that, man, you are going to become a father of a great nation. 25 years later, God finally fulfills that promise When he's 100 years old, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. We then read what is perhaps the best known scene out of Abraham's life. God tests Abraham's faith and he asks him to sacrifice his only promised son, Isaac. Three days, I want you to imagine this. And if you've never watched the movie on Amazon Prime by Angel Studios called His Only Son, Basically, it's it's really just a a portrait of what we're going to be talking about tonight. You need to go home and watch it. I watched it last night. Pastor AJ told me about it in the office yesterday. Incredible movie. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Three days with the knowledge that this trip is the last trip. Three days of knowing that he is going to have to kill the one that he has waited on and the one that he has hoped for for so long. Nobody knows it. For the exception of Abraham. And three days of knowing that there would be a return trip full of tears. There's going to be heartbreak. There's going to be anguish only to face his wife Sarah and tell her what he had done. Can you imagine? No. They arrive at the mountain and Abraham gathers the wood and begins the long climb while fielding questions from Isaac about the lack of the ram to sacrifice and leading to what we know now really is a prophetic statement, God will provide. How many of y'all know today God is still providing for his sons and for his daughter? Abraham ties now, he ties Isaac up, lays him on the altar, the knife is arcing down to end his life. And Daryl, an angel, stops his hand. Abraham looks up, having passed the test of faith, and a ram is caught in the thicket, and God gets a new and lasting name, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And when you review this story, Abraham teaches that God, and only God, is our provider. Pastor AJ said it Sunday, um, from God concerning Adam, as your father, as you father your house, I'll father you, which provides protection. So not only does he provide, but he also protects if you was listening Sunday morning. And we need to know this tonight. When we declare that we serve the God of, of Abraham, We are making the declaration that God, I serve the God of Abraham, but I serve Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is our provider. That is why David said, and he declared and decreed in Psalms chapter 37, verse 25, I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor the children begging for bread. That's why Paul could tell the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, my God, he'll supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, If you're serving the God of Abraham, you need to know that you are serving a God that sees your needs tonight. And not only is he a God that sees your needs, but he's also a God that will meet your needs. I promise you. 
In fact, his own son, Jesus, he tells us in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 26, Pastor AJ hit on it again Sunday morning, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, about your body or what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow and they don't reap or gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The God of Abraham, I gotta say it again, cares and he provides for you. And I wanna tell you a couple of things that we need to know about this providing God, this providing Father. First point that I have for you tonight is this right here. Supply, going back to Abraham, supply was a result of sacrifice. We often forget that the reason that Abraham saw the provision in his life was that he lived a life of what? Sacrificial obedience. Let me go ahead and say this about obedience. Obedience in one area of your life does not dismiss radical disobedience in another area of your life. If you're going to be obedient to the Lord, you got to be obedient to the Lord from A all the way to Z, even through the process, right? Just had to throw that in there. So God, he calls Abram to leave his homeland, and all of a sudden, he, he calls him to leave his homeland, calls him to leave his family, his tradition, his familiarity. Put yourself in that position. The culture And he travels to a place that God said, I'm going to show you. And what does he do? He sacrifices. Then Abraham is asked to kill his one and only promised son. Provision, when you you think about it, provision is always working its way up the backside of the mountain called obedience. And the reason some of us, we never meet the God of provision is because he never meets us as the servant that is willing to sacrifice what he's called us to sacrifice. My body is a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. We, if you want him to meet your need, you've got to live as a living sacrifice. That has to be your lifestyle. How do you do that? You have to live and maintain yourself in presence. Now, we want miracles, but don't talk to me about sacrifice. We don't live in such a way, serve in such a way, give in such a way that a miracle is required. And the reason that the ram was there when he needed it is because Abraham had to learn, he had learned to live obediently and sacrificially before God. Listen, you don't earn provision, but you do position yourself for the provision. And the second point that I have for you tonight, and this is the last one, is this. God is a provider through principles first. God is a provider through principles first. If we're not careful, then we tonight, we are going to focus all of our attention to the provision made on the mountain in the time of Abraham's need. So we conclude, and rightfully so, that God, yes, he is a miracle-working God. There's no doubt that he's a miracle-working God. Nobody's going to refute that in here tonight, right? A miracle is the interjection of God's power into a situation that is completely beyond our control. He does those things. Those are great. But I also need you to back up and realize that God is a provider through principles first. 
curse. Prove it. Okay. Genesis 17, 8 through 9. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. And then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have a, this continual responsibility. Now you read that Abraham's promises also comes from responsibilities. Wherever you go to work, you don't just show up for the work and eat crackers and drink lemonade all day. Why? Because then you're going to find yourself sitting in the unemployment line. When you go to work, you've got responsibilities that somebody that is over you requires you to fulfill. Same thing with God right here. So Abraham positioned himself for a miracle by taking care of the principles that were established by God first. God's saying this. He's saying, if you will, I will. And I believe God is echoing that tonight to us. He's saying, if you will, I will. God, I need you to bring this into existence. God is saying, well, I'm waiting on you to speak it into existence. But before you do that, you got to make sure that your life is a lifestyle that is operating by God's principles. Abraham positioned himself for a miracle by taking care of the principles that were established by God first. And I bring this to your attention. And I've been caught up in this too because I think some of us were trying to live on miracles every day while ignoring, bear with me, and discarding the principles that would lead us into a daily provision. I want to say that again. And, I, and listen, and, and I'm not really looking for an amen. I just want this to sink into the fabric and the DNA of who God made you to be. I want you to get this. Some of us were trying to live on miracles. Raise your hand if you're in need of a miracle tonight. My mother's got front, I mean, my mother, my, well, she might as well be my mother. My mother-in-law's got frontal temporal dementia. It's a bad disease, not going to go into it. Barring a miracle, she's not going to live through this. But I'm declaring and decreeing that she will live and not die, that God is going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Death is not going to be her calling card. She's the godliest woman that I've ever known in my entire life other than my mother. So, yeah. I lay in the bed, look up at the sky at night and say, God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. But we try to live on miracles every day while ignoring and discarding the principles that would lead to the daily provision. And I want to make a statement that you may not like, but I think it's accurate. We're not supposed to live on God's miracles. We're supposed to live by the principles that he established that produces the daily provision. And then when we have done all that we can do, we stand and we see God do what? We, see, we stand and we see God do what only God can do. He performs the miraculous. 
Why? Because he sees you standing on the principles, living a lifestyle of presence, and also you come into a place like this, or two or three are gathered in his name. He is in the midst. And what happens? You bring a level of expectancy, which is the breeding ground for a miracle to take place in your life. If a miracle is not taking place in your life, other than because you're not living by the principles of God's word, it's probably maybe you need to look at the chart and see, hey, am I expecting this miracle to happen? Am I believing for this miracle to happen? Is there a plan B? Because listen, if there's a plan B, it's not going to happen. Why? Because there is no plan B. He is the plan. Plan A. That's it. You get him. Boom. Done. And that's all you need. God is all you have. God is all you need. So I'm going to ask you again, do you need a miracle again tonight? And that's what the Holy Spirit asked me yesterday. You need a miracle again today? Kind of in a, just the relationship me and him have, I guess, Dylan. You need a miracle again today? And I'm like, yes. I mean, Derek, you just got one yesterday. Raise your hand if you got a miracle today. Those of you who ain't raising your hand, I'm going to tell you your miracle. You're here. You're breathing. You're a living, breathing miracle. So lift up your hand. You are a living, breathing miracle. Why? Because when you woke up this morning, God went down from heaven and he breathed life into you. He's breathing fire into you. And all he wants you to do, man, I just got to get on it. He wants you to look at the one whose eyes, they burn like, like fire and his hair is as white as snow and his feet is as brass. And he, what does he want you to do? He wants, he wants you to be completely obsessed with him and not following any other lesser lovers it's him but telling holy spirit yeah i need a miracle today and he's saying this living like that derek is a revelation that you're mismanaging an area in your life Miracles are when God breaks in, when the principles that we are obeying, they do not produce the necessary results. Granted, in mercy, God sometimes responds when we don't live by principle. Peter doesn't operate on principle when he turns the other cheek. So in mercy, what does Jesus do? He provides a miracle. However, notice Peter never has to ask for that miracle again because he learned how to live on principle. What do you mean? Can you imagine reading that time and time again that Peter has to ask for an ear to be put back on to Malchus's head? Y'all know what story I'm talking about. All the chips laid down on the table. We will never forsake you. Even if Peter even said it to Jesus, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I'll never be made to stumble. Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan. What? Say what? Paraphrasing. <laughs> Could it be that you wouldn't need as many mind-blowing, jaw-dropping, if he doesn't come through, my world is going to be lost miracles if we would take care of living up to the responsibilities that he's called us to deal with on a daily basis? Just be faithful. Principles like, say, Pastor Derek, like, what are you talking about? Okay, I'll give you some practical examples. Treating your body, treating your body 
as the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple, Holy Spirit dwells with inside of you. Give them a clean place to live. I mean, you got people coming over to your house. Let me just, all right. Pastor Derek and Kaylee's coming over to your house. And Miss Amy and Brother Jim, they're about to make that delicious Greek pizza. Mm-mm-mm. We're on, why, we're on a fast. Mm. I just got to keep going. And that incredible dessert called baklava. Some of y'all thought I'd be speaking in tongues just then. That's actually a Greek pastry, baklava. Am I right, Ms. Amy? I can promise you this. When we come over there, they're not going to pull out paper plates. Miss Amy like, oh, boy, please. <laughs> I think I'm watching dishes. More than likely, they're not going to be pulling out paper plates and Dixie cups. Ain't got nothing against that. Cool. We use them all the time. But when we come over as their guests, they're going to pull out the fine china. I mean, Brother Jim, he's going to be sitting there at the door like a butler with a towel in his hand, like, Derek, Pastor Derek, are you? <laughs> I got a sense of humor. I hope you have one too, right? <laughs> we got to treat the Holy Spirit the same way with our bodies. I'm not going to make something that he desires and he does live in dirty and tainted and that may be harmful. I don't want him to live in that. I want him to be clean. So what do you got to do? You got to take care of your body. You got to watch what you eat. You got to watch what you drink. You got to watch what you watch. Uh, I got to get up off of that. I got to get up off of that. Another sermon for another day. I think I'm going to preach in a couple of months. We may hit on that too. Like giving him, how about this, like giving him what is already his before we already spend it all. Right? Like forgiving. Woo. And you know, forgiving, you've heard it before, forgiving is not necessarily for the person that you're wanting to, or God wants you to forgive. It's actually for you. You know, the only jail cell that Houdini didn't make it out of was the one that was unlocked. So really, and the person that God wants you to forgive and the person that you're harnessing unforgiveness for, they don't even know that you're, that you're not even, that you have a feeling, a spirit of unforgiveness to it. They don't forgot about it. Who's the one in chains? Us. We're the ones in chains for years and years and years or days and days, months and months, however long. So what do you got to do? You got to forgive. Forgive. You know how you do that? You live in presence. You know how you do that? You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. How about this? Holding things, holding on to things lightly. Live like this. Don't hold on to it. Live with your hands wide open. I know God is a miracle working God. I've seen him interrupt the ordinary, and I've seen him perform the extraordinary. I've witnessed him override the laws of the natural and perform the supernatural. But like Abraham, I've discovered that my need for those moments diminishes as I follow the principles that he has laid out for Derek's life. And we must love and live in presence by the principles of the provider. 
So it is by doing this that we reveal the love of the provider that we, then more than we do the provision of the provider. I don't want to fall in love with the provision and forget the one who provides. I've heard it said before, we're not, we're not living on a move of God. We're not serving a move of God. We're not waiting on a move of God. We don't love a move of God. We love the God of the move. If he desires to show up in here and put on a fireworks display, that's incredible. Why? Because the Bible says that's how the fire works. But how many of you know we don't need any of that? We just need him. We need him at the epicenter of our heart, and he plants his flag, and we are in full surrender. We set our face like flint, and God, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that you want to say, you do it, and you say it, and you breathe it into my life, and live by presence. And if we don't do that, you know what we begin to do? We begin to turn the God of Abraham into a Santa Claus. And we only want, the only time that we want anything to do with him is when we actually need something from him. Any of y'all ever been in a relationship with somebody that they only, (laughs) oh my goodness. You've been in a relationship with somebody that only wanted something when they needed something? Raise your hand if that was, oh man, Pastor, that's such a fulfilling relationship. (laughs) absolutely not we got to desire his face more than we desire his hands to move i promise you man once you desire his face once you have like jacob had a penual experience face to face with god and that's all you become obsessed about and that's all you dream about then his hand is going to move because from genesis 12 to genesis 22 or Genesis 18, from 75 to 100 years old, listen, Sarah, she was getting impatient. Abraham, can you imagine the talks that he had to have with her in the tent prior to Isaac being born? To the point that Sarah is like, I'm just not going to bear children. I'm getting old. I'm getting old. This is not going to happen. You, sir, she, she's just totally given up on God. And then she brings him into the tent. Abraham, hey, go sleep with my maidservant. Hagar. Then, Abraham, as if that wasn't enough, goes through the ringer again. Because why? Sarah is actually mad that Abraham did what she told him to do. Can you imagine the weight that's on Abraham's shoulders? And he is still pursuing presence he is still living on pre- i'm not saying hey, wait 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 now man pastor Derek sitting up here telling us we need to go let me just go ahead and say this no i'm not and for all of y'all that are married you know exactly what i'm talking about you married that well, listen the bible says that who god joined together let no man put asunder that is your wife and no more you've got eyes for her and her eyes only that is it and the more you love jesus the more you're going to love her the moment that you start falling out of jesus falling out of love with jesus and living in principle and living in presence is the moment that you're going to start having wondering eyes don't do that 
So yes, stay with your wife. Stay with your husband. But she gets mad at him. But I love Abraham's faith. He's still focused on God. We got to desire his face more than his hand. We do that by following the principles out of love for God and watch the provider work. And it's like what Pastor AJ said, and he preached on this past Sunday so incredibly. God looks at the secret closet of communication because you want a relationship with him. You don't just want something from him. You simply just want him. AJ, you might You need to know tonight, you serve a providing God. I mean, you really do. He knows your every need. He knows tonight, listen, he knows that you have a need. And he's saying to you tonight, hey, I got you. It's not... Spirit. It's not, it's, it's almost like this. And, and I, I just feel this right now. I feel God, I feel Holy Spirit speaking this to me right now. He's, he's saying, Derek, it's, it's not that I can come through for you. You know that. But he's saying, I will come through for you. Nick, I will come through for you. It's not, can I? I can do anything. I breathed, I spoke the earth into existence. I breathed you to life. Do anything I want to. But I will do it. There's some in here tonight who need to embrace the principles that God has called you to. So why? Embrace the principles. And watch his hand work. Embrace the presence. Mm. And watch his hand work. I, I'll tell you this. You, you, you'll get so obsessed and have such a desire for his presence. I know this may sound foreign to some of you. Maybe not. I don't know. That you won't even know that he's moving. <laughs> you, you, you get so focused on him. It's like back, I've been following and learning from a father in the faith and here tonight, Pastor AJ, I've, I've been learning from him for a long time. And there was a word that God gave him like back in 2015 that was a fight for focus. I, I still feel like it's still a fight for focus today. And all he wants you to do is you focus on him, Dylan. And when you just become obsessed with him on a daily basis, you won't even know that he's working. Why? Man, because I just, I'm going to say it. It's because you and him are just dancing. You're just dancing. Just dancing. And all the while you're dancing, he's working. He's massaging. He's refuting things that need to be refuted and he's placing things that need to be placed back in. 
you'll come to a place that you are so focused on his presence you don't even have to there is a t- I mean Ecclesiastes says it yeah there's a time for it there's a season and a time for everything but however you'll, you'll become so obsessed with him that you, you, you forget about warring you, you put down the sword why? because you're caught up in such a love affair with Jesus that nothing else really matters. I'm not saying that you're sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretending that problems don't exist out in the world. But you want to know how you battle those problems? You dance with Him. You live in presence and you obey His principles. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.